What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? We got a few things to get to today. We got a few things to get to today. Apparently, most of us are not showering anymore. We've just decided not to go out. Since we're not going anywhere, we're not taking showers, and we're using a whole lot less shampoo. And apparently, we're eating a lot of chocolate. A lot of chocolate. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the fact that the White House has decided that it's time to increase their strategy or to change their strategy up so they can increase the number of tests that's going to be done. But somebody says it's impossible at the rate that they're going to be that they're saying they're going to be able to do it because they just don't have enough of the enough testing to do it. But we'll talk about that. But the first thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to hit on. The fact that yesterday being Wednesday and Tuesday, the Federal Reserve just got together and they started talking about what they're going to do once again about this whole coronavirus situation. But first, before we talk about what they decided or what they discussed, which we'll hear about that later on. But first, we're going to talk about the rele- the information they released and the fact of something that we already knew was going on. But it's different when you know something is going on versus when you see Something is going on. Like they say, seeing is believing. And as of the first quarter of 2020, the U.S. GDP shrank 4.8%. Now think about it. In the first quarter, we're only on lockdown for two weeks. Two weeks. Think about that. Just think about that. For two weeks, we're on lockdown, and yet the GDP of the U.S. shrank 4.8%. So let's talk about why that is. So Like they say in the article, it says gross domestic product fell 4.8% in the first quarter, according to the government numbers released Wednesday, that provide the first detailed glimpse into the deep damage the coronavirus wreaked on the U.S. economy. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this graph right here. We had been doing pretty well from 2008. It's a graph showing our GDP from 2018 to now and we had been doing pretty well with our GDP uh, our GDP and how it was growing over that that time frame over that period of time we had from in 2018 first quarter it was two and a half percent at the end of 2018 it was 1.1 percent the beginning of 2019 it was 3.1 percent and we have been growing at about two percent every single quarter however in this last quarter negative 4.8% and we were only on lockdown for two of those weeks. If you don't know how quarters work, it is January, February, March, and we didn't go into lockdown until mid-March. That's when the U.S. finally decided that it would do what it needed to do in the first place and actually lock down the country and tell people to stay home and started enacting some of the social distancing things that it needed to do on the front end. But even just for that short period of time, GDP dropped 4.8%. That is intense. And then let's talk about the reason that happened. We've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. The fact that consumer uh consumer paying and consumer eating basically contribute I said consumer paying and eating. <laughs> I mean consumerism contributes two thirds of the GDP. And so when consumers aren't buying things, when consumers aren't shopping and doing all the things that we do on a daily basis, when we're not going out to bars, when we're not going out to restaurants, when we're not driving around and buying gas and doing all these other things, GDP will go down. So 
In this article, it says consumer, this is an article from CNBC. It says consumer expenditures, which comprise 67% of total GDP, plunged 7.6% in the quarter as all non-essential stores were closed and the cornerstone of the U.S. economy was taken almost completely out of commission. Durable goods spending tumbled 16.1%, while expenditures on services were down 10.2%. Exports dropped 8.7%, while imports fell 15.3%, including a 30% drop in import services. That is ridiculous. The fact that we just witnessed this amount, this crazy amount of drop, And now we're heading into a new quarter or we are in a new quarter where for most of this quarter, we're going to be on lockdown. This is part of the reason why the government and states are in such a rush, which I think some of it is not wise, are in such a rush to remove some of those uh, lockdown measures that they've put in place. Some of those social distancing measures. This is why they're in such a hurry to get people spending more money. But the question is, like we've talked about it in the past, are you and I that are listening to this podcast going to actually go outside when all of this goes uh, blows through the answer for the most part, even in States where this thing has already been the social distancing measures and the lockdown has kind of been opened back up and people can go about and those kind of things like for the state that I'm in Georgia, people aren't really going anywhere because everybody is still very much afraid. Everybody still knows that there's still a bunch of cases out there. I mean, in Georgia alone, we have over 20,000 cases, if not more. And in the United States, we just crossed 1 million cases of coronavirus. Think about that. Worldwide, there are 2 million cases. In the United States alone, there's 1 million cases. That is ridiculous. That is so much. There's way too many cases in the United States. And that's why people, I don't think people are going to be rushing out to go out. I mean, some young people, I mean, think about when we look at Florida, for example, and people are still going to the beach and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so young people are still going to rush out to try and go to these places. But for most people who have some level of common sense and are thinking about their lives, no offense if you're one of those people who want to rush out, you're going to stay home for the most part. But we can see why the government and we can see why they're rushing to open up businesses as soon as possible. So apart from that, The other thing that the Federal Reserve is discussing is basically what can they do? What is some of the other movements that the Federal Reserves can do during this time period to help out the economy or continue helping out the economy? In this whole, for the markets especially, when you look at the stock markets especially, the Federal Reserve has been the superman to the stock market's metropolis. It has caught it right before it fell and just destroyed itself. Like it's literally been there right on the nick of time with all the movement that it's made. We've talked about it multiple, multiple times. The movements it made with the amount of loans that it gave out, the fact that it jumped into the market so soon, it reduced interest rates to completely zero. I mean, it's 1%, but 1% is basically equal to zero as far as the Fed is concerned. 
and it induced so much money into the market, like giving money to banks to make sure that they have enough money to do what they needed to do on a regular basis to be able to loan out money to other people. They gave out money. They bought junk bonds, something that the Fed reserves usually doesn't do. They bought a bunch of ETFs, which is something that they don't do. Basically, they're, they're, they're diving into so many different areas of the market, so many different markets that they've never played in before. In the past, we thought that the only ammo that the Federal Reserves had was interest rate. But Jerome Powell, if you don't know, that's the head of the Federal Reserve. Jerome Powell has shown us that he got a Gatling gun and he's willing to shoot every single bullet in his clip to make sure that the economy does well once we come out of this pandemic thing. All the Federal Reserve is doing as we've talked about before, is all they are doing is trying to keep the ship afloat. They just want to keep the ship afloat as long as possible and keep everything above water until we come out on the other side. And they are hoping that the moves that they are making now will ensure that businesses get back to work faster to ensure that people start spending money faster. All they're doing is greasing everything. They're oiling all the gears down to make sure that things move over smoothly. But anyway, the question is, with the new meeting that they're having, a few questions that will be asked of the Federal Reserves is what else are they going to do? I mean, we've seen them do a bunch of stuff and injecting trillions and trillions of dollars into the market. So what else are they going to do? There are some questions that will be asked of Jerome Powell that, hey, what else is some of the moves that you guys are thinking about doing? So this is an article that I found on Investopedia, and he talked about what some of those questions are. And as some economists in Bank of America and other uh, banks and other shops have talked about and some of the questions that they're hoping to hear answers to when Powell speaks probably close to the end of Wednesday, which I'm recording this before he's going to speak or beginning of Thursday after they've had their meeting really is going to be in the morning on Thursday when Jerome Powell is going to come out and have a news conference. But anyway, the first question is moral hazard. The question is going to be Powell will likely face. I'm reading directly from the article. Powell will likely have to address the costs of entering parts of the markets that are typically seen to be outside of the Fed's mandate. The Fed is directly engaging in markets, including investment-grade credit with some high yields and municipal bonds. If the Fed can enter the credit market, why not enter the equities market? So the difference between the credit market and the equities market, equities market is where you go invest in stocks and those kind of things. The credit market is where businesses you and I go to to borrow money, like your mortgage, your uh, any business loans that's available out there. Those kind of loans is the credit market. So usually the feds, like we just said, the feds don't enter that side, but now they've entered into it. So now everybody's like, so why not get into equities and like, you know, help out grease, grease those wheels as well and help us out in that area, which I think that's a very, very slippery slope. And I hope the fed does not enter the equities market. The second thing, Main Street lending facility in the so the Fed has announced that or they announced I think it was a couple of weeks ago where they're going to be directly lending to businesses. That's not usually how the Fed rolls. Usually the Fed will give money to banks and then banks will lend to businesses. But then the Fed announced that they're going to have a Main Street lending facility where they will be lending money directly to businesses to ensure that the economy keeps going. So the question is, when will the facility be up and running? Which types of uh, companies are they targeting? And does the Fed believe that there will be sufficient interest in that main street lending facility? And then the third question is, what kind of recovery do you expect? So everybody's going to be looking at Powell and saying, hey, what kind of recovery do you think that we're going to have from this whole coronavirus situation? 
While he may not say it directly, Powell may likely send a signal that the Fed is not counting on this to be a V-shaped recovery. By the way, there are multiple different types of recovery. You have the V-shaped recovery, which is the best kind of recovery that you can have out of a recession period. You have the L-shaped recovery. That's the worst kind you have. Nobody likes that recovery. It's basically where the market tanks and then the market stays low for a really long time. And then you can have a U-shaped recovery where the market slowly goes down and then it takes it a little bit more time, but then it, it slowly starts going back up. Some people refer to that as the swoosh the Nike recovery as well, or the swoosh recovery, because it uh, it's slow. It just you see, it's kind of like a parabola. You know, we're just gonna use the word U. It's a U-shaped recovery, uh, and that's more than likely what we're going to see out of this recession period. At least that's the hope. And they're also hoping, which is the other question, is they're gonna ask him about: Are there is there a possibility of us seeing a double dip recession? Is basically where the market recovers for a little bit and everybody thinks everything is going on well. But if we see another spike in cases of coronavirus, then boom, we're going right back down. And again, as uh, as the, the article points out, it says Jerome Powell may also talk about the risk of a double dip recession depending on the health response, which is an important variable outside of the Fed's control. In other words, everybody, the only thing that really can we can speak to and controls more, much of the market is Everyone is hoping we don't see a double uh, uh, a spike after everything opens back up. We just, everybody's just crossing their fingers. No spike, no spike, no spike, no second wave of coronavirus illnesses and those kind of things. And then finally, how is the Fed thinking about industry trends? Powell may talk about the sectors that are likely to be hit the hardest and where there's some potential for long-term damage. Think about sectors like the cruise line industry, which is just underwater right now, in all honesty. Think about the oil markets right now. With the First of all, we had the oil war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. And then think about the all the different parks and places that are basically on lockdown right now. You have parks on lockdown. You have AMC theaters and all those kind of things. Things that were experiential, travel, those kind of things are on lockdown and they've not been able to do anything. So he might shed some light on what industry he feels that may have some long-term damage. And that also plays a role with the double dip recession. Because part of the thing is everybody's focusing just on the fact that people are getting sick and all that kind of stuff. But the other problem is we are talking about the amount of jobs that have been lost during this period. Some of those jobs are not going to come back. Part of the reason is, first of all, the government hasn't given enough uh, or the money that's supposed to go out to small businesses has not gone out efficiently enough. So a lot of businesses will have to file bankruptcy and close down their their stores because they just didn't have money to be able to survive during this period. That's one issue. The other issue is something we've talked about before is as businesses find out that they can run on a leaner crew or find out that they don't need as much as they thought that they needed. Businesses are not going to all of a sudden uh, take on expenses that they know they don't need. And so some jobs that are currently available today may not be available tomorrow after we come out of this thing. So that's something else. And when people don't have jobs, guess what? They can't contribute to the economy. They can't buy stuff. And as we said before, two thirds of the economy is consumer spending. It's you and I going out and spending the money that we get paid. And if people can't get paid and they're more of of a liability on the government because that means the government is not getting revenue. Rather, the government is, is having to dish out revenue. And so 
They don't want that. And that's something else that can happen on the other side of when we come out of this pandemic. Moving on from there, the next topic I have for y'all is one that most vegans are probably going to be very happy about. I mean, most true vegans, not vegans that are just like vegans that they eat only vegetables, but true vegans, you know, the hardcore vegans that say we shouldn't kill animals. We shouldn't use animals for our clones. This, that, and all that, you know, all that stuff. Okay, that's that's mean of me to use that kind of voice for them, but you guys get the point. But anyway, we are on the cusp of a meat shortage because of the breakdown in the food supply chain. For me, this is sad news because I like my meat, man. I like me some chicken. The other day, I made some steak. Man, being at home, being at home during this whole period, I mean, when the initial thing happened, I bought like a bunch of like cheap, like there was steak on sale and I bought a bunch of it and I cooked it. Man, I took my time with that thing. I, put, I brought it out. I sauteed it, wrapped it up in, 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 what is that? Plastic wrap, wrapped it real good, put it in the fridge, let it sit in itself as it, just let it sit in its fat and everything, you know, sit there real good, brought it out, put it on the grill, just, tss, you could hear the, tss, you could hear the, mm, it, it just, uh, it sat down on there. I got some vegetables, some broccoli, some cauliflower, put it on the, just, just, you know, just a little bit of water, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper. Shake that thing up real good. Twist it around. Shake it up and look again real good. Bring it out. Man, that steak was good. Mm. That brought, mm. oh, that was good. So this news is not good news for me, man. This is not good news for me. Talking about we're going to have some, some food ch chain supply. The problem is, the problem in the supply chain is not the fact that we don't have the animals or anything like that. It's the fact that they can't get the animals to get processed. So what am I talking about? Uh, this is an article from Bloomberg. It says plant shutdowns are leaving Americans dangerously close to seeing meat shortages at grocery stores. Meanwhile, farmers are facing the likely culling of millions of animals and mass bur uh, burial graves could soon be dug across the heartland. What do they mean by call in and basically farmers are going to have to kill the animals and just kind of euthanize the animals because there's nobody to eat it. Uh, the CEO of Tyson, which everybody should know what Tyson is. Tyson is one of the biggest meat suppliers in, in the U.S. said that the food supply chain is breaking. Uh, that He said millions of pounds of meat will disappear as plants close. Tyson said in a blog post on his company's website, in addition to meat shortages, there's a serious waste food, uh, or there's a serious food waste issue. Farmers across the nation simply will not have anywhere to sell their livestock to be processed when they could have fed the nation. Millions of animals, chickens, pigs, and cattle will be depopulated. So the biggest problem is, and the reason why the plants were shutting down was because Thousands of people were being found to have coronavirus within the plants. They were discovering that so many workers, because these businesses, for some reason, decided not to do what they needed to do and give the people the correct PPE and those kind of things. And so people after people, and you know how it is when you work at, I worked at a plant when, uh, two years ago, I worked at a lumber mill. And the idea is even if I'm sick, I'm still going to go to work because that's just the culture that's in those, in those kind of facilities is. I'm still going to go to work because I need this paycheck. I don't care. I may be a little bit sick, but I don't feel that bad. So therefore, I'm going to work. And so when you have multiple people that have the same type of mindset of I'm sick, 
I don't care. I'm still going to go to work. It spreads very rapidly. And then all of a sudden, I think it's like 13 plus of Tyson's plants had to be shut down because they just didn't have anybody that could go to work. So many people were sick because of just how profound, because, you know, they were an essential business, of course, but then the company wasn't doing anything to help their workers. And that's one of the problems with this whole thing is a lot of people with their businesses. Yes, you may be an essential business, but you got to provide the necessary things in other for your business to continue running. Otherwise, this exact situation is going to happen. Uh, the president of Denver-based co consulting firm Global Agritrans said, it is absolutely unprecedented. It's a lose-lose situation where we have producers at risk of losing everything and consumers at risk of paying higher prices. Restaurants in a week could be out of fresh ground beef. This is a situation that we have never experienced before. This is a situation that just doesn't make any sense. We're used to always having whatever we want, whenever we want. But for the first time in life, we're probably not going to be able to have that. Now, on the other side of things, I don't know if that's a bad or a good thing. Because one, it might force us to be more healthy. When we can't go out and buy all this bacon and buy all this pork and buy all this beef and all this other stuff, you know, and those have really a lot of unhealthy fats. But we as Americans, we tend to overconsume these things because it's overly available. And so maybe this will just push us to not be buying so much meat and we'll eat more greens in our in our diet maybe probably not we'll probably end up just paying more for it and complain about it later but anyway on the same news trump was like oh hell no nah. what y'all mean you're gonna shut down plants no 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 trump actually decreed an order and i was like y'all are gonna stay open everybody knows about the D dpa i think it's called it's called it's what it's called dfa or dpa dpa the Defense Production Act, which is basically where in times of, of pandemics, in times of war, the U.S. government can basically force private institutions or private companies to do what they need for the greater good. And President Trump on Tuesday signed an executive order on Tuesday requiring meat processing plants to stay open under the Defense Production Act during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, he basically told them that, look, we need this right now. It says, uh, as an official said, the White House feels like it's a critical time when a key part of the food supply chain was at risk of substantively reducing capacity. We see it as an urgent need and there should not be. Let me just highlight this so you guys can see what I'm reading. We see it as an urgent need and there should not be a panic on food supply at a moment when our country is embarking on the path of recovery from the fallout of COVID-19. So yeah, Trump is of the mindset, yo, we need to we need to do what we need to do and keep these plants going because people need this food. At the same time, it's like, yo, people sick. What you what you expect them to do? They can't keep the plants running when people can't come to work to to do what they need to do at the plant. So that's just something. Vegans are rejoicing everywhere, but animals are still gonna get deaded because you know. There's nowhere for them to keep the animals. So farmers, farmers are losing money. Consumers can't get to the animals and are going to have to pay overpriced for meat. And so that's just what we're going through right now with this meat shortage. And then the next thing I have for y'all is the fact that we are finally going to get some increase in testing in the United States of America, the greatest country in the world. 
Question mark. But yeah, apparently on Tuesday, no, on Monday, Trump announced that a new strategy to help states ramp up their capacity to test for coronavirus, claiming most of its work is done. They're done. They're good to go. It's going to get going to effect right now. Trump said we are deploying the full power and strength of the federal government to help states, cities and to help local government get their plague, get this plague over and done with. Is what he said. Now, let me read you another thing that Trump said in March. We've been working very hard on this. We've made tremendous progress. When you compare what we've done to other areas of the world, it's pretty incredible. This was what Trump said in March. And then let me read you a a snippet of an article from the NPR after Trump announced this. NPR investigation team dug into each of the claims made from the podium that day. The day was one month ago, which was March 13th into that day. And rather than a sweeping national campaign of screaming drive through uh, sample collection and lab testing, it found a smoldering of small pilot programs and aborted efforts. And in some cases, no action was taken at all. So keep that in mind when Trump comes back today and says, hey, we got this thing on the control now. We're going to wrap up this, this, this testing thing that we've been talking about doing. So keep all that in mind. So just, just, just you know, Trump tends to bloviate enough. He said, Trump said is, is expected to announce that the federal government will prepare to send all 50 states enough tests and testing material to screen at least 2% of the population of each state per month. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. That's about 6 million people. As of right now, the U.S. has only tested... Where's that Where's that number? Where did I find that number? The U.S. has only tested, I think, about maybe close to a million people at the max. So, like... To go from that to testing the entire population in the next few weeks in order for us to open up the open up the thing, because that's the only way we're going to be able to open up the borders is by by actually testing people, testing more and more people. Until we get to that point, we're definitely not opening up the borders. Experts say that the need the the, uh, experts says that America needs to perform closer to 20 million to 30 million tests. A day, a day to begin getting the economy back to normal. There are more confirmed, ah, man, you know what? I can't talk. There are more confirmed cases of COVID-19 inside U.S. than in any other country. The numbers you see here are where as of Tuesday, today, that number is up to over 1 million people. And so as you can see, it's just, we just don't have enough testing to be able to go through and help people as we need to help people. And we just don't have enough testing to be able to guarantee that the American people will be safe. And another for us to open up the borders is we just need to test more. That's literally beginning and end is testing, testing, testing. Whether it's contact tracing, we can do that. But the most important thing is we have to test. If we're not testing people, we don't know who has it and we don't know how to protect people. Because at the end of the day, 
if you're driving down the road and you can't see where you're going, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get in an accident because there's going to be a turn and you're going, you ain't going to know about it. That's why we have something called headlights so we can drive at nighttime. So we need testing so we can know where we are going, so we can know where we are headed. But anyway, I will stop jumping on Trump's back and I'll talk about some fun stuff. So on the final article of today, we're going to talk about the fact that apparently we eaten a whole lot of chocolate and we stopped shampooing. Apparently, since we started working at home, we said, you know what? Forget this thing. Shampoo my hair. Forget that noise. Let them oils, those natural oils, which on a side note, you shouldn't be shampooing every day anyway. You need some of them natural oils to come into your hair. Now, I don't know about I'm black. So if you're not black, I'm sorry. I don't really know how y'all stuff goes, you know. But for us black folks, we can't be shampooing every day. We need that natural oil to come up there every so often, you know. We need them natural oils to keep this, you know, my fly hair, you know. You know, keep it curly. Keep it looking good. Uh, I say looking good, but, you know, I ain't been to the barbershop in a long time. Not that I'm mad about it. It's money that I've been saving. I ain't got to spend $30 to get this haircut. It's like, oh, this is nice. This is nice. I look like a wolf. I don't mind. I'm wolfing out over here, and it's cool. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with this. It. an opportunity to try to grow out the beard, you know, try to look a little good, uh, get this thing nice and long, you know, all that good stuff. You know, all that good stuff. And apparently we eating a whole lot of chocolate. So if y'all got any chocolate in your house, just, you know, send me some cash so I can get some chocolate as well. As Hershey's announces that they had a really, really good quarter because, well, we just are just at home snacking, 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 snacking. What is, you know what? Hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram, whatever. What is your favorite snack of choice? Mine is plantain chips. I mean, I can go through a pandemic. I can go through anything as long as I have some plantain chips in my house. Now, I literally have been buying. I'm addicted. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a bad thing. I'm so addicted to plantain chips. For those of y'all who don't know what I'm talking about, let me, let me bring up a picture. Like, oh my gosh. My gosh. Like, I am addicted to these things, man. It's so good. It's so good. And it doesn't even have the right picture. It's all this nonsense. Next. Show, show me the right picture of plantain chips so I can tell the people. But anyway, plantain chips is my thing. What is y'all's thing? Plantain chips, oranges, and grapes are my snack of choice. And trail mix. Love those things. What are y'all's snack of choice during this whole coronavirus pandemic situation that we are in? But that's all I got for y'all. Let me know what my, the answer is or what you think about everything we talked about today. If you need a reminder, let's go through it real quick. Thing number one, apparently we are in the in a horrible place as of last uh, quarter. The U.S. GDP dropped 4.8% and is expected to drop even more and uh, even more going forward because of this pandemic. Second thing is we're going to be hearing from the Fed chair, hearing about some of the moves that they plan to make moving forward through this pandemic. Then we talked about the fact that we ain't got no means. It's so sad. We ain't got no meat right now because plants are having to shut down because coronavirus cases and plants are so high. And the fact that Trump decided, yo, we need them meat. Set, keep them plants open. We need them meats. And then finally, we talked about testing and the fact that the White House is saying now that they are ready to test 2% of population of each state, which is great in quotation marks. 
but it's a promise that they've made in the past and they haven't been able to keep it yet. So we'll see what they do this time around. Hopefully it's going to be something better. And of course we talked about snacking because your boy is hungry and needs to go eat some stuff. But God bless each and every single one of y'all who are listening to this podcast. I hope you got one, maybe two things out of this. But thank you for listening. If you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. It's been your boy Kalichi. I'm going to be back with another one, another day. God bless you guys. And I'm out. Peace. And wash your hands.